When I clock out of the hospital at 6 p.m., I'm not done for the night. That's when Gamer Nurse 40 clocks in, and she's got orcs to slay. Sure, I'm playing a 13-year-old in Scranton, but he's a level 53 mage with a filthy mouth. So I need to stay on top of my game. What'd you call me? That's when I crack open a Heineken Zero Zero. Zero alcohol, but just as refreshing. So I can focus on stealing his gold before his mom tells him it's bedtime. Take that, kids. Heineken Zero Zero. 0.0% alcohol. Now you can. Must be 21 plus to purchase. Enjoy responsibly. It's back to school time, so make room for all the things they're going to need. Backpacks for leading the pack. Crayons for coloring outside the lines. String cheese for trading at lunchtime. Pens for passing notes in homeroom. And coffee for you, making it through the season like a champ. Get your shopping done in a few clicks with your back-to-school sidekick, Shipt. Order now at shipt.com slash high. That's S-H-I-P-T dot com slash high. The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... would, I'm sure, supply enough energy for centuries of heat and light. Today's story is an example without parallel from the master storyteller without peer, Arthur Conan Doyle. Dr. Brooke, have you ever been exposed to danger? Physical danger? Mm -hmm. No, I have not. Do you think you would be cool and collected at such a time? Well, I hope so. I believe you would. I have the more confidence in you. Because you don't pretend to know what you would do in a position that was new to you. My impression is that you may be the very man we are looking for. Our mystery drama, Never Answer an Advertisement, is adapted from a story by A. Conan Doyle, especially for the Mystery Theater by James Agate Jr., and stars Russell Horton and John Beale. I'll be back shortly with Act One. Richard Brooke had hung out his shingle, which, to those of us familiar with medical terms, means he was ready to earn a living as a doctor. So was young Sarah Brooke, his wife. Sarah had been a nurse at London Hospital where Richard had interned. She was ready to assist her husband to care for whatever patients came to the door. Days, weeks, months went by, but nobody came to the door. Sarah, I simply cannot understand it. Even patients who've been recommended to me by other doctors, where are they? The week before last, you were quite busy, Richard. I was? Well, there was that nice Mr. Trevor and old Mrs. Garland. You haven't forgotten that. Two weeks ago. Two patients in two weeks, a case of nosebleed from a lady who spent too much time over a hot stove, and a gentleman, a case of poison ivy from weeding in his garden. Oh, my sweet wife, what have I gotten you into? Nothing more than from a doctor who was struggling to get established. Do you think I expected miracles the first year?
That was a wonderful meal, Sarah. Uh, will you excuse me a moment, Richard? I just want to fetch something. You're certainly spoiling me. I don't know how you manage on the shillings and pence you have to spend. Uh, Sarah, did you did you hear what I said? Of course I did, darling. Just bringing in the newspapers from the hall table. There's something here I want you to see. Ah. Situations wanted. Employment opportunities. A present. Oh, Sarah, you haven't been looking at the help wanted column again. Oh, well, what harm can it do if I brought in some extra money? I suppose you're right. Here, Richard, you look. Perhaps you can find something for me. I think there are two kinds of jobs I could manage. After all, I am a registered nurse, so I could be private nursing. Or, as you tell me every dinner time, since I'm a witch in the kitchen. Yeah, you do perform miracles, no doubt about that. But what about a job as a cook in someone's household? Oh, you look at this. Hmm? Wanted for one or more days the services of a medical man. It is essential he be a man of strong physique, of steady nerves, and of resolute nature. Must be an entomologist. Coleopterist preferred. Apply in person at 44 Hanover Square. Messrs. Peabody and Freeman solicitors. Application must be made before August 1st to John H. Faraday, Esquire. Hmm. What do you think of that, Sarah? Hmm. Strangest advertisement I've ever heard. Wanted a combination strong man, doctor, and expert on speech goals. Now, what do you suppose they want him for? I'll tell you what else is peculiar about this advertisement. Mm -hmm. Peabody and Freeman used to be my father's lawyers. I thought your parents were dead, Richard. Oh, yes, my mother is. And so far as I know, to, well, to be quite honest, Sarah, I have no idea whether my father's alive or not. You told me he disappeared when you were six years old. But your mother never saw him. All I know is what mother told me. He'd gone to South America, and then one day these lawyers, this same firm, Peabody and Freeman, got in touch with mother and said father had asked for a divorce. And she gave it to him? Well, there wasn't any question of money. At that time, father never had any. I think he'd gone off to run somebody's coffee plantation. <laughs> so it was mother who brought me up alone. In fact, she never knew it, but she was the one responsible for my going into medicine. Oh. You see, when she died, mother was quite young, no more than 30. I thought to myself, if I could become a doctor, or rather, if I'd only been old enough to be a doctor, perhaps I could have saved her life. You never told me that before. It's just that, well, it was all past. I never thought about it. So, um, shall I answer it? I'm strong. I'm a medical man. Sounds as though I could make some extra money quite easily. Two days' work. Isn't that always the way? Here I am looking for some part-time work, and you find it. I think I'll go around first thing in the morning to 44 Hanover Square and see what these lawyers have up their sleeves. But it says they want an entomologist. Hmm. A coleopterist preferred. Isn't that lucky? Richard Brock, what do you know about beetles? Well, what do you think is in that box of wooden trays in the basement? A fairly decent collection of beetles, weevils, and strepsitzers. It's been my hobby for years. I used to know quite a lot about the species. And I, what I don't know, I could find out. Richard, what am I? Your wife or a stranger? First you don't tell me about your parents, and then you collect beetles. <laughs> what next? I'm tell you what is also interesting about this. Apply to John Faraday, attorney. The name Faraday. Do you know him? Oh, Faraday happens to be one of the great entomologists of the century. I've read all his books. I wonder, 
Could they be relating? What do you think, Sarah? Uh, may I see that newspaper again? Wanted. A man of steady nerves, strong physique. Well, that's you, all right. Oh, as a matter of fact. Now, don't tell me I don't want to hear it. I know what you're going to say. When you were in grammar school, you were an Olympic weightlifting champion. Oh, almost. For two years running, I won the weight throwing competition at Interhospital Sports. Oh, Richard Brooke, you're impossible. <laughs> and I guess that's why I love you. <laughs> Mr. John H. Faraday in? In reference to what, sir, may I ask? Uh, an advertisement in the Times. And your name, please? Richard Brooke. Dr. Richard Brooke. I see. Uh, may I ask a question? Sir? Is Mr. Faraday the attorney in any way connected with Sir Hugh Faraday, the entomologist? Connected? Oh, forgive me, it's not an unusual name, but it occurred to me that since this advertisement mentions knowledge of insects, perhaps... Uh, Oh, well, well, never mind. If you'll be as good as to take a seat, sir, I shall inform Mr. Faraday you're here. I shan't be a moment. Mr. Faraday, a Dr. Richard Brooke to see you, sir. Send him in, Yes, sir. Mr. Faraday will see you now. He will. Right now? No waiting? Well, thank you. Dr. Brooke, you believe you have all the qualifications necessary? Oh, I believe so, Mr. Faraday, but I'm not certain what I shall be called upon to do. Well, you are a powerful young man. Oh, so I should judge from your appearance. Oh, I think I'm fairly strong. We agree, then. May I ask, Mr. Faraday, why you were kind enough to see me right away? Is it because my name was familiar to you? Brooke? Brooke? No, I can't say so. Well, I thought perhaps. Actually, I'm Richard Brooke, Jr. It was also my father's name, and many years ago, your firm represented my father in a legal action, or so I thought. Oh, yes, I understand. My dear doctor, Peabody and Freeman is a very large firm. We have many clients, and I only joined the firm two years ago, so I'm afraid your father's connection with us had no bearing on my seeing you quickly. No. Well, it doesn't matter. Frankly, Mr. Faraday, I'm having a difficult time getting established in my profession, I don't know. Perhaps I've chosen the wrong location. Or at any rate, any spare money I might earn would be welcome. Have you ever been exposed to danger? Um, physical danger? Mm -hmm. No, I have not. Do you think you would be cool and collected at such a time? I hope so. I believe you would. My impression is, so far as personalities go, you may be the very man we are looking for. Hmm. I'm glad to hear it. Oh, that being settled, let us pass along to the next point. Which is to talk about beetles. Ah. Please start. Yes, yes. Um, well, the advertisement made it quite plain that such knowledge is essential to the work we need to have done. Are you a collector by any chance? Well, in a way, I have a modest collection which I started when I was a boy. A point in your favor. Well, Proceed. It's incredible, Sarah. I, I really don't know what to make of it. For an hour, I talked to this lawyer, John H. Faraday, about beetles. One whole hour. There's enough to talk about on those little things for an hour? Uh, Sarah, now don't be irritating. Some people have made it their life's work. Anyway, whatever the job is, it's very hush-hush. It'll take as much as two days, and I have to go out to the country somewhere. Hmm. Sounds pretty strange to me. 
How do you know it isn't something criminal? Can't you find out more about it? No, I don't think so. His attorney seems very reputable, and that's all the firm did represent my father. Who ran out on your mother? Sam, what's bothering you? I marry a doctor. It means he's starting out to be a doctor. A good doctor. In fact, a fine doctor. Things go slowly, and one day I say, Richard, I think I'll get myself another job. We need money. And before you can say mouth, it's you who have taken on some strange secret line of work requiring you to be A, a doctor, B, very strong, and C, an entomologist. And no one will tell you what it's about. Where, when, or even how much they're going to pay you. My darling wife, I love you very much, but if you talk less and listen more, you might find out more. No, I don't know what I'm hired to do, but I do start tomorrow morning. Mr. Faraday is driving me out to the country, and the pay is £100 per day. £100 a day? <laughs> now I know something's wrong. It sounded pretty right to me. Richard Brooke, I am positive that what you have agreed to do must be crooked. No honest work pays that kind of money. <laughs> In the mystery business, this is what we call the setup. The bait is offered to the unsuspecting. He nibbles at it and swallows the hook. And then some unknown manipulating force reels the sucker in. But perhaps young Dr. Brook is not that kind of a poor fish. We'll find out more when I return shortly with Act Two. and ambition make strange bedfellows, so the saying goes, meaning, I suppose, that if your need is great, you may close your eyes to the means, and 100 pounds a day to perform some unknown task makes leaping before your look seem simple. At least that's what Dr. Richard Book keeps telling himself as he is driven into the countryside north of London. Have you brought enough clothing? If our stay is extended. Well, you said one day or two, Mr. Faraday. Are you averse to staying on three or four days? At a hundred pounds a day? We do have a practice that needs attending to. Not much of one, Dr. Book. Well, don't, don't, don't say anything. Naturally, I've had to make inquiries. Hmm. Well, you have the advantage over me. I'm quite in the dark about this whole business. Do you know Sir Hugh Faraday? No, no. I haven't had the pleasure, but I certainly heard of him. He's my brother. I suspected there was some connection. It is for you whom you are about to meet. His books have been my inspiration even before I began the study of medicine. But surely, Mr. Faraday, if you wanted someone to talk about beetles with your famous brother, you could have found someone more expert than I. Well, this much I can tell you. What we are about to do is for the benefit of Sir Hugh. We are about to assist him in an area where he cannot help himself. It all sounds so mysterious. Trust me, that's all I ask. Put yourself absolutely at my disposal. And remain always at my side while we are at Heatherthorne. Is that the name of Sir Hugh's country place, Heatherthorne? Well, didn't you know? Oh, no, I'm afraid not. You must promise to do whatever I ask. However unreasonable it may appear to you. Mm. I wasn't happy when you told me that yesterday. Well, you should have said so then. It's a good deal to ask of anyone. Shall I turn back? There's still time. No, 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 of course not. I... 
I'm sorry I mentioned it. Is uh, this it, Heatherthorne? My goodness, no. At my sister-in-law's house. Lady Faraday's a huge wife? Lady Evelyn. Yes, she has this little cottage of her own a few miles south of Heatherthorne. She expressed a desire to meet you. How do you do, Doctor? My pleasure, Lady Evelyn. Evelyn, I think we have found the right man. Dr. Brooke is actually a collector of beetles. But then you must have heard of him, I heard. Oh, indeed I have. But he's not met him. We're on our way up to Heatherthorne now. Have you told him? Only as much as I thought safe for him to know at this point. You wanted to meet him, so we stopped by. Evelyn, don't despair. It will turn out for the best. No, 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 it's not that. I put my hand to my head because... I know. Have you quite recovered? Or does it still pain you? Oh, sometimes it hurts a bit. If you'll forgive me, Lady Evelyn, when did you last have that cut of your eye attended to? No, I, I go in every few days to see my doctor. May I take a look? Hmm. Well, if I were you, I'd go see him tomorrow. It's getting a bit infected. Oh, I have. Thank you, doctor. Well, how did this happen? It's thing. I ran into a door one night. Well, I think we should be off. I'm so worried about you, John. Do be careful. Oh, I have a good, strong right arm beside me. Oh, yes, he does look strong. Good luck, Doctor. <laughs> I may need it. I wish I knew what to expect. Well, Doctor, one thing you may be certain of. You will not be asked to do anything of which your conscience does not approve. Doctor, I am hopeful that when this is all over, you will be proud to have helped us. Wonderful lady, your sister-in-law is. I think she was quite impressed with you also. And may I say, it was most diplomatic of you to refrain from any deeper comment about her eyes. Mm. Well, what could I say? It was no business of mine how she actually got that cut. Oh, it explains why she and my brother no longer occupy the same house. Are you saying, sir, she hit Lady Evelyn? I've already said more than I should have. We turn in here. This is the approach to have a home. Oh, what a mistake. And so hidden away. I might as well be candid. So you is rather a queer duck. In fact, we may be seeing him along the road up to the house. He spends a lot of his time outdoors. Oh, is, is that him? The, the man with the heavy walking stick? Yes, that's my brother. I'll pull up near him. I'll try to get him to come along with us. And when I get him into the car, please talk beetles all you can. Mm-hmm. Oh, hello, you. Oh, oh, you, John. Who's that in the car with you? May I introduce this? is quite unpardonable, John. An unjustifiable intrusion. Please, you, let me explain. And no explanations are necessary or accepted. You know my wishes to be left alone. This is quite inexcusable. But this is Dr. Brooke, who himself is quite an authority on Coleoptera. Brooke? Brooke? I can't say I know the name. Well, Mr. Faraday is quite kind. I, I would hardly call myself an authority. Well... What do you know about Beatles? Why don't we all drive up to the house together? <clears throat> all right. I've walked enough. May I present Dr. Richard Brooke, Hugh? It is a great honor, Sir Hugh. Oh, is it? What have I to make you so respectful? Dr. Brooke, talk Beatles. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, well, I'm waiting, I'm waiting. What do you know about Beatles, Dr. Brooke? Whatever I know, I learned from reading your work, Sir Hugh. Oh, is that a fact? 
Yes, well, it's a rare thing for me to meet anyone who takes an interest in such matters. Well, I happen to be the first man to describe the true functions of the Alistair. Well, well, I'm glad you stopped by. Perhaps you'll uh, stay for a meal, eh? John, can you stay the night? Yes. Ah, yes. Oh, yes, Doctor. Uh, I'm sure I can show you some specimens of my collection that will interest you. Uh, they astound you. This is one of the most impressive living rooms I've ever been in. Yes, it is quite baronial, isn't it? Dates back centuries. I believe Herophon was built in the 1200s. Oh, that fireplace, like something out of King Arthur's Camelot. Mm. Uh, where is Sir Hugh, Mr. Faraday? Does he always disappear like that? He does. Showed us to our rooms and then popped off for his afternoon nap. We'll just make ourselves at home. I'm uh, still not very comfortable in this situation, you understand? You're doing just fine, believe me. I had no idea you were so well-versed in beetle lore. I think my brother was quite taken with your expertise. It's also very different from what I expected. There's heavy locks everywhere. There's heavy doors, bars on the windows. And Sir Hugh going about from room to room, brandishing that enormous walking stick like a club. What is he afraid of? Oh, it's a long story, Doctor. There's a certain kind of uh, complex. I can't explain it. I think you have explained it, yes. Persecution complex, pure and simple. Well, let's not jump to any conclusions. We have a drink, don't you? With some of this red wine, do you? As a decanter for oh, by all means. And it's such a gloomy place. Mm. Just looking out the window, I thought I saw two men walking together. One had his arms through the others as though he were restraining him. Mm. Probably the gardeners. Mm. Oh, look there. That woman in a white uniform crossing the path. Oh. Oh. I don't know what happened. The counter slipped right out of my hand. Uh, Mr. Verity, will you come over here and sit down? That's right. Now, I may only be someone who's engaged in some secret part-time work, but I am still a doctor. I am still able to diagnose. Now, but, please, let, let, me, let me finish. I can see that your nerves are getting the better of you. Yes. Yes, I, I am nervous, doctor. You see... This is a difficult burden for me to bear, but I am resolved to go through with it. Why don't you tell me what it is? Well, you understand what I'm doing is entirely from a sense of duty. I know that I'm taking quite a risk, and if things should go wrong, I wonder who would mourn me. You talk as if you were about to confront death. Don't say that word. Here it comes. Well, 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 I have you both all to myself, eh, what? Dr. Brooke, you've decided to spend the night then, have you? Delighted to, sir, you. Well, after dinner, a real treat. I shall show you what I know to be a collection of the rarest specimens anywhere on the continent. I have a specimen of the sacred beetle which only farmed has immortalized. <laughs> what do you think of that, huh? John, what's all this mess on the floor here? Glass, wine... Who broke the decanter? Oh, it. It wasn't you, was it? You careless fool. I might have known. Dr. Book, you see before you a man without honor in his own house. A man who's pigged by a stupid bubble. Quick, Mr. Faraday, don't let Sir Hugh fall to the floor. He's fainting. What time is it, Mr. Faraday? 
Nine o'clock. Oh, I thought dinner would never end. I don't know whether you're aware of it, but Sir Hugh is in a dangerous mental state. I, oh. I don't think he's accountable for his actions. So that is all that? I thought when you were so close to someone as, as I am to my brother, you, you make allowances. He needs expert psychiatric attention, and very soon. These things cannot be delayed. In my opinion, he's reached a critical stage of imbalance. You've seen all that? Unmistakable. Sad, a great man like that who cannot control himself, attacks his wife. I believe that Sir Hugh may be suicidal. Well, we should certainly discuss this tomorrow, Doctor. How is this guest room you've been given? Comfortable? Police room? Oh, it's fine. Uh, Mr. Sturdy, I, I hope I am fulfilling whatever it is you hired me for. Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. Well, then, if you'll excuse me, I'll turn in. I'm more than a little tired. Oh, I'm sorry about that, Doctor. But your duties are not yet over. Tonight, you will not lie down in that bed. Why not? We'll take this bolster and the blankets, roll them up, and place this made-up dummy between the sheets. There. And when we turn out the light, it will look as though you are sleeping there. Now, come with me. This is the second guest room on the floor, the one I usually occupy. Now, we do the same as in your room. Roll up the bolster and the comforter and simulate my being in this bed. Hmm. Well, now, what do I do? You remember my interest in your strength. I think tonight you will have good use of it. I want you to hide yourself inside that closet and leave the door open a crack to watch. In the closet all night? Well, we should take turns. While one of us keeps watch, the other can stretch out behind his couch. We'll divide the night. I will watch till 11. You will watch till 2. Then you wake me. I'll watch till 5 while you sleep. And so forth. But for heaven's sake, Dr. Brooke, when you're on watch, don't fall asleep. The slightest sound, mind you, awaken me. All I can make of this is that you expect we shall be attacked. Perhaps I do. Well, in that case, why not block the doors? Perhaps, Dr. Brooke, I want to be attacked. A doctor and a lawyer pay a call on a great scientist only to find him somewhat less than responsible. Is Sir Hugh as mad as he appears? Is he dangerous? Or is this some fantastic game? It could be. We should learn more of the rules of play when I return shortly with Act Three. Conan Doyle has bequeathed us plots with incredible twists, eccentric characters, frightening locales, and ingenious solutions. None, however, more outlandish than this night spent at Pepperthorn, as Dr. Brooke and Attorney Faraday keep watch. But against what? Faraday? Faraday, it's, it's two in the morning. Huh? Huh? Oh, oh. You, you heard something? 
Someone trying the door? Uh, no, it's two o'clock. Oh, good. It's my turn to hide myself in the closet. You keep watch. Hope you can catch what he waits. I didn't find it so comfortable behind the sofa. I'm not so sure I'll be able to sleep anyway. Can you hear something? Uh, yes. Someone's walking down the hall. Just stop outside the door. Who is it? But quick, let's get into the closet. Now, 
When he attacked Eaglin two weeks ago, I, I didn't dare face the truth. Do you realize what the truth is? That he's out of his head and should be committed. And it's worse than that, Faraday. Sir Hugh may be a homicidal maniac. Who oh, wouldn't see a doctor? So I had to resort to bringing a medical man here under the guise of someone interested in his specialty beetles. Then last night, I had to take the risk of baiting him so you could see with your own eyes his true condition. Mm. Well, for Sir Hugh's own well-being, there's no doubt he should be committed. I'm glad you agree. I've prepared all the legal papers. I'll be glad to sign them. And tomorrow, arrange to have him transferred to a sanitarium. I am relieved. If you'll wait a moment, I'll bring you the papers. And then I think both of us will be able to rest a little more easily. I beg your pardon. These are the offices of Peabody and Freeman? Yes, indeed. Forgive me for being so early, but I'd like to see Mr. John Faraday, one of the attorneys here. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Faraday is not in. He's been out a few days. Is there something I can do? It's about my husband, Dr. Richard Brooke. Yes? Do you know him? He had some dealings, I believe, with Mr. Faraday. Well, that's entirely possible, but the attorneys make their own appointments. Uh, if you can tell me a little more, perhaps I can help. My husband and Mr. Faraday had some business together. They were going somewhere together. That was two days ago. My husband has not returned. I don't know what happened to him. It's not like him to disappear, not keep in touch. Let me go into Mr. Faraday's office. Perhaps he's left some notation as to exactly where he is. All he told me before he left, he was visiting a sick relative. Dr. Brock. Dr. Brock, wait up. I have brought you your breakfast. Where your husband hit you? <laughs> it's me. I have no husband. No, 
I'm afraid that's the affectionate mark of one of our inmates. Uh, I mean, patient. He threw a glass at me. Did you... Did you say inmates? Where am I? Isn't this Heather Thorne, Sir Hugh's country house? It is Heather Thorne, Doctor. And we do call it a country house. But I'd rather leave the rest to Dr. Hugo to tell you. Well, sir, how are we today? I demand to know what this is all about, Sir Hugh. <laughs> I'm Dr. Hugo. Now, young man, you have nothing to be concerned about. You're in good hands. Where am I? In a sanitarium. Didn't you know? How did I get here? A doctor and an attorney, yours, I believe, brought you here. What are the names? Well, the attorney's name is Admitty. I have it on the commitment papers here. Ah, yes. John H. Faraday. And the doctor? Uh, Dr. Richard Brooke. But what is this game you're playing? You know full well, sir, you I am Dr. Richard Brooke. <laughs> You've been calling yourself by that name since you were brought here. And many of our patients imagine they are the very doctors who attend them. And frankly, if you wish to call yourself Dr. Brook, I have no objection. Do you realize that keeping me here in a straitjacket is out-and-out out kidnapping? No one would believe that. You were brought here by a doctor and a lawyer for treatment. There's nothing to worry about. Your memory has failed you a bit. I don't expect you to remember attacking me last night either. Oh, this is incredible. Or do you? When I came into your room to check you, you attacked me. Fortunately, we were able to restrain you in that jacket. How long am I being kept here? Ah, how long? That really depends on you, sir. I'd like to know what your name is. Why, of all the people in the world, would anyone go to such lengths to keep me a prisoner? If you think I don't remember how I got here and why, and who you and Mr. Faraday pretended to be, you are much mistaken. It's laughable. I am not insane, nor will you be able to drive me insane. Mrs. Brooke, I don't find any notes on Mr. Faraday's desk or calendar where he might be. Why, why don't you come back tomorrow? Tomorrow? But that'll be three whole days. Don't you realize my husband is missing? I can't let three days go by and do nothing. Is there no one here I could drop? Well, unfortunately, Mr. Faraday's secretary is out ill. She's been out a few days also. Well, can I reach her at home? What is her name? Well, I, 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 I don't think we can give out that information. But I must know. I'm going into Mr. Faraday's office myself. No, you, 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 you can't be in there. Well, Hugo, how's our patient? Oh, so far, so good, John. But we can't keep him here forever. So we'll need time. Helen, how does he act with you? In this mental. We've got to keep him quiet. The only way is to go on sedating him. <laughs> he laughed at me. Kept calling me Sir Hugh. <laughs> I think you played that part to convince him. No, he knows better, but he doesn't know why. But don't I get any compliments for my role as Lady Evelyn? <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously. What I don't like about this, John, is that this business endangers the entire home. You must have considered that, Hugo, before you decided to come in on this with Helen and myself. But I run a respectable rest home. We have other patients, and if word of this ever got out, could it? We have signed commitment papers proving he thinks he's Sir Hugh Faraday. 
I've made application to the court for guardianship. Now, as soon as that's approved, we'll have the money. Then you can let him out. There's no chance of his ever finding out. None whatsoever. His father's dead, and I am handling the estate. I've got to get back to town. I'll leave book to you and Hugo. You do your part, and I'll do mine. For a little effort, my friends, we shall all have an equal share in half a million pounds. Good morning, Mr. Faraday. We had a little trouble yesterday, and you may find your desk in something of a mess, sir. Trouble? What trouble? Well, the wife of the doctor you had an appointment with came by asking for him. Doctor? What doctor? I went to the country to visit my brother. The lady insisted that you'd gone off somewhere with her husband, the doctor Richard Brooke, I believe. And I'm uh, I'm sorry about the police, sir. What police? Well, she went into your office, Mr. Faraday. I, I couldn't stop her. She went through everything on your desk and found the name of her husband on some legal paper, sir. And then she went to the police. Incredible. The woman must be mad. Unbelievable. Well, yes, it, it is, sir. The police went round to Miss Helen's flat, your secretary, sir, and spoke with her mother. I understand her mother gave them an address in the country where Miss Helen was visiting. A nursing home? It was all very confusing. Are you sure about all this, Hopkins? Oh, yes, Mr. Faraday. Uh, the police inspector can explain it better than I, sir. He's waiting for you in your office right now, sir. No, thank you, darling. I'm stuffed. I've said it before, and I don't mind repeating it. You are the finest cook who ever came out of nurse's training school. Perhaps it's because you've been starving yourself for two days. I had to keep awake and my wits about me. Ah, the steak and kidney pies, heaven. Mm, Being poor was fun while it lasted. Darling, it'll be months before I get my inheritance, and who knows, maybe before then my practice will pick up. Mm, I have a feeling it will. The whole story about how that lawyer tried to get his hands on the money your father left you has been in all the papers. You're celebrated. Yes, but not because I'm such a good doctor. Oh, that will come. Yeah, I suppose, if I keep at it. Stranger things have happened. I should say so. Here I thought I was marrying a poor, struggling doctor. And your father leaves you a fortune. Oh, Sarah, my real fortune is you. If you hadn't come chasing after me, I might still be wearing a straitjacket. The twist at the beginning, the twist at the end. The hallmark of Conan Doyle's stories. Elaborate, aren't they? The lengths to which some will go to gain their end. When I return, I'd like to tell you what the author himself wrote about the very story you've just heard. Arthur Conan Doyle tells us that these stories concerned with the grotesque behavior of his characters should be read aloud around a flickering fire on a chilly night. Of course, Sir Arthur had no idea that through radio, you don't need a particular season, time, or place. But to quote him, he goes on, If this story gives pleasure to anyone at any time or place, I shall be well satisfied. I think he should be. I think he is. Our cast included Russell Horton, John Beale, Easy Justice, and Court Benson. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown.
This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. students, parents, and teachers. Ready to get back to the classroom? Look, as a working mom, I know prepping for back to school is stressful. That's why I rely on Shipt. Shipt can deliver supplies, clothes, even snacks and meals for healthy brain fuel. With Shipt, I spend less time running to the store and more time on the things that matter most. To learn more, report to my office. I mean, to shipt.com slash high. Go to shipt.com slash high.